y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know, especially in times of isolation, that you don't mom alone. In this bonus episode, my virtual assistant, Sarah Jane Menifee, and I are going to be recapping information I learned from Ian Morgan Cron. He's the author of the book, The Road Back to You. And I was learning about Enneagram types and how they respond to stress. He taught this session in a masterclass that was hosted by Compassion International. And it was so helpful to me that I had to pass it on to y'all. So I hope you enjoy. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Sarah Jane. Here we are again, talking about somebody else's stuff. Ready? ready? Talk about some Enneagram today. Oh, man. Oh, man. All right. So, y'all, we have talked about the Enneagram on the podcast before, and I always get mixed reviews. But if you're curious, you have no clue what Enneagram is, you could always pause this episode, go listen to my interview with Suzanne Stabile, or, and what episode was that, Sarah Jane? That's episode 232. 32, or Beth McCord on episode 259. 259. You can go to Beth McCord's site or um, there's a lot of websites where you can look at the Enneagram and kind of figure out what your number is. But the main goal, right, is what I feel like this tool, which is all that it is, it's just a tool, does is it helps me uh, give grace to people to recognize there are different ways different perspectives, different ways to see a situation, different ways to experience, like we said in the last episode, experience what we're experiencing. And when it comes to the Enneagram, there are nine different ways listed, nine different types. And so one thing I was just talking to Sarah Jane about is in this session I had with Ian, I had, it wasn't personal. It was me and like 50 other people. But in this session that he presented for Compassion International, He mentioned near the end that, be ready for this, he said this would probably be stolen by someone, but this came from Ian Cron, that Jesus doesn't have an Enneagram number, that the wholeness of God is in him, and he's in the middle of that circle. If you picture the circle with the numbers all around it, the nine at the top, and then all the numbers working their way back up to nine, Jesus would be in the middle. And these numbers the reason we're kind of pulled to one over another number, one number over another number is kind of based on an invalid motivation, a wrong motivation in our heart that impacts how we think and feel and move and uh, interact with our world. And so Sarah Jane, you said it, uh, the goal is to be more like Jesus, to be less of your number and more like, Jesus, who has no number, who is whole Mm -hmm. and healthy. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of talk in this. It's not about boxing you up and giving you a personality type, but it's all about becoming aware of where your go-to operating uh, number is and how can you be the most skilled, healthiest version of yourself. And particularly as we're all walking through COVID-19 And the stress that's involved in all these restrictions and differences in our lives, how do we respond? And and so I think it it helps, I don't know, I'm seeing next door (laughs) alerts from neighbors and I keep thinking, I wonder if they're a blank on the Enneagram just based (laughs) on 
how they're responding. They're trying to find control. Never Everyone's a good idea to try to figure out someone's type, Heather. <laughs> yeah, but I think it helps me. Like, oh, yeah. that makes sense that they're responding that way. They might, they're looking for control and the way they think they're going to get it is by X, Y, and Z. Oh, I got you. That makes sense. Yeah. So it helps me kind of give them grace instead of being like, what a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is the point. It's more about improving communication and compassion for others. It's less, it's as much as learning about ourselves as it is about learning about the people who we are around in our community. Yeah. So let's jump into it. What do you think? Yeah, well, I did want to just mention that that information that you're sharing is from Ian Morgan Cron, who is the author of The Road Back to You, just in case you're not super aware of Enneagram information. So we're going to be referencing things that he shared and his Instagram feed and his podcast are fantastic resources as well. And he, after he spoke with us, he started releasing videos. They're about 10 to 12 minutes long each for each type and stress. So if you want more, because we're going to try to keep this short, if you want more on your type, I'm obviously going to point you to him and he's going to be able to communicate better on each of these. But I just thought it was so good and it was helpful for me that I wanted to share it with my people, which is you. All right. So the first thing he started off with is to reframe what's going on instead of living in fear of the crisis. Ask the question, what does this new reality make possible to look with anticipation at it and to to do and to be different things in it? It's like fruit basket upset. Like friends of mine that were really functioning well prior to this are having a hard time now. Friends of mine that were having a hard time are actually living their best life right now. So it's kind of turned a lot of people on their heads. And so let's start with the triad that's the anger gut triad. Number eight, the challenger. So if y'all aren't familiar with an eight, the person who's more motivated from an eight's perspective loves a challenge to overcome. They have a large capacity to love and protect. They like to be in control and they don't like to be controlled by others, which I know a lot of us that's true for, but it's particularly true in this part of the Enneagram. When unskilled, they can become demanding, pushy, bullying, and bring a bit more than what's required at the time. So uh, their energy might be a bit more than needed, um, just an intensity. Very intense. People. Very intense, yeah. Um, and not they really are not meaning to be. It's just that's how they show up. And they may confuse weakness with vulnerability and don't recognize that vulnerability is actually courageous. So if someone in their world is stressed about what's going on and is vulnerably sharing that, they might see that as a weakness where what's helpful if you are an eight is to see, oh, them sharing that with me is really courageous and to acknowledge it as such. So here's some tips for the eight. Let others share their anxiety and feelings without judging it as a weakness. Also channel that energy and that intensity into directing and bringing communities together. Ian just talked about how his daughter, who's an eight, if it's dinner time, she can just get their family together to make a dinner. And she's just putting out directions to each person. You chop this, you do this. And it's super helpful. And even in this season where we're having to do things on the fly, like make masks or um, support different groups, the eights are great in these situations if they channel it well. He also warned against falling into excessive behaviors in this time and to just again like 
I'm sure any season for eights to just develop a little more self-awareness. Like, am I bringing too much right now? Do I need to dial it back? Um, maybe looking at people's reactions uh, to what you just said and seeing um, how you are being perceived. So does that work? That's great information. Who else is in the gut anger triad? The peacemaker is actually. That's like the opposite end of the spectrum, it though. seems <laughs> like that. So what we should say is the eight, the nine, and the one are in this anger triad. The eights are externalized anger. They have externalized anger. The ones have internalized anger. And the nines ask the question, what anger? <laughs> they have it, <laughs> but don't know it. They're, maybe they're not in touch with that emotion, but it might come out in other ways. Ian talked about his wife, how she is a nine on the Enneagram, and when she's driving, she can cuss like a sailor. So um, it can come out in other ways. But he did mention that the nines, the peacemakers, are the most naturally spiritually advantaged number on the Enneagram. Wow. But they have the most work to do to stay in that spiritual state. So maybe because I'm thinking we just said Jesus uh, didn't have a number. The nines have the ability to see from any numbers perspective. Mm -hmm. And that ability probably helps them. Each number represents a different characteristic of God and character quality of God. And so if they can get in that place where they're in a healthy state, um, that is really gut. And he said to be trapped in a house with a nine right now would be amazing. They're easygoing. They're non-judgmental. They're calm. So when people are rubbing each other the wrong way, the nines kind of calm everyone down. Uh, but he said when they're unskilled or stressed, they can become ambivalent and hold back more than express their feelings because they're trying to maintain that internal equilibrium and calm. So they might leave the room if things get out of control and they can't keep that place of peace inside. And when they get stressed, they can go to numbing, uh, maybe checking out by spinning on habits. So having a familiar solution to a problem, they just keep doing the same thing or maybe binging on Netflix. I think all of us <laughs> are binging on Netflix if we could. Um, but the nines in particular are kind of going to remove themselves and, and numb. They tend to have the least amount of stamina. So he, this is a quote from Ian. He said, nines start off slow and then they taper off. So that we have to recognize, like, it can be exhausting to be in the presence of people that, where there's a lot of conflict in the home. And so that energy is just going to dwindle down over the course of the day. Um, they may also dampen their anger to get back to that inner tranquility. They might dampen it with overeating or overexercising. So his advice for nines is to stay awake, that we need the engaged nines in this time to bring the peace. And nines also need to recognize that they have to support themselves as much as they support others to really make the time or be intentional to figure out what they need to get in touch with that so that they're supported, that they don't just expend all their energy on supporting other people. And I remember Suzanne Stabile saying that social media can be a um, emotional and energy suck for nines that they have to kind of watch their consumption of social media. And I think during this time, that's probably particularly true. So any thoughts on the nines? Well, I have a very good friend in my Bible study group that's a nine. And I just love when you said that they're the ones that um, 
are the most spiritually advantaged. I can so see that in her, but she's also very aware when she's in that place of needing to press in harder. So it's just neat to see the information that you're sharing in light of my friend. I always understand the Enneagram better when I can think of a person that really exhibits that trait, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about having our poster child in mind for each type. Like, like, oh, that's that friend. And that's that friend. And so the one, the perfectionist is going to be in that same triad, organized, conscientious, and a source of strength for others. He said in this time, some of us may be at peace because we think, well, I'm sure so-and-so's got this covered. Like I'm sure she's already bought all the masks and has the hand sanitizer. So we'll be fine. Uh, The trick for the perfectionist is that their anger can be turned inward, like I'd said before, and they are going to have an internal conflict because they see anger as inappropriate and bad, and they desire to be good. And so how can they be good if they openly express their anger? So there's a lot of um, conflict there. That's really hard. Yeah, yeah. An unskilled one in stress may go to the low side of four, if you don't know what I mean by go to, each of the numbers kind of moves towards another number. And you can find on the internet pictures of the circle and the arrows going from one number to the next. And so a one is connected to a four, but he was encouraging the one to try to go to the high side of four, like getting in touch with feelings and to the seven and have fun. Have fun. Yeah. He have said, a dance party. Yes. That's out. literally what he said. He said, <laughs> their rule in their house is if there's music playing in a room, everybody in the house has to go to that room and dance. Uh, he also encouraged the one to write out a fear inventory, one mm. sentence fears they may have, 20 of them. I think this is helpful for all of us, actually, yes. if you are especially anxious right now. So, for example, you might write, I'm afraid I'll get sick. I'm afraid um, the economy will fail. I'm afraid a mom messaged me. She's afraid she'll have her baby and her husband won't be able to be in the room with her. So he says, write all those down. And then he said, read them off, but to the tune of happy birthday. I'm afraid I'll get sick. I'm afraid the economy will fail. Then he said, go back and say them in a whiny voice. I'm afraid I'll get sick. I'm afraid the economy will fail. And he said it kind of removes the intensity and that inner, that voice that has been kind of haunting you. You're making fun of the inner critic. You're taking away its power. Yes. He said humor (laughs) has a way to loosen the grip on inner critic voices. That's amazing. Yeah. I thought that was great advice. Uh, He said for the ones, here are three phrases to write down. And if you're a one, write these down. Smile, period. Breathe, period. Go slowly, period. So I hope that is helpful. If you are an eight, a nine, or a one, some awareness of maybe someone in your life is one of those numbers. And for you personally, maybe some things to some action points. Okay, the next triad is the heart shame feeling triad. And we'll start with the two who's labeled the helper. And they tend to represent the love of God. They're great to be around. Of course, they love to care for people. I feel like the twos, there's just such a positive number that he actually didn't talk much about how positive, all the positives, because it just feels so obvious that the two is so giving and thoughtful and caring. Um, But he said that every number has an addiction. And for the twos, the addiction is to relationship. Mm -hmm. And this triad in particular 
is often uncertain about their identity. And for the twos, that identity is wrapped up in relationships. So who would I be without relationships? And they might over rely on those relationships. And so in this season where they're isolated um, from a lot of relationships, they may zoom in. Like if you're a mom and you, you have a family that you are trying to make sure everybody's okay, you might set up board games or cook this gigantic breakfast and keep forcing everyone together. And it's a strategy to win everyone's approval with the expectation that they're going to meet your needs without you having to express them. So he said, you need to practice sharing what you actually need and don't play that game where you do the, I'm fine. Is there anything I can do for you? Like really lean into what you need and ask for it. He also encouraged twos to practice solitude one hour a day to reinforce this idea that you are somebody, you have value and worth without these external relationships. You are valuable because God sees you as valuable. That relationship is what gives you value. So I love that because I feel like this is a very difficult place for a two to be, especially as a mom, because there's so much you have to do. There's so many things to do to take care of your kids, to take care of schooling, to take care of your home. There's a lot of helper tasks mm-hmm. right now that can be like your sole focus and you're not self-aware of what you, what you truly need, or you expect people to be as in tuned as you are. And then when they don't, <laughs> yeah. there's a big opportunity for conflict. When I'm not a two on the Enneagram, but my number, which is a four, moves to a two in stress. Mm-hmm. And so definitely those first couple weeks of this situation, I was going to the place of serving everyone and expecting them to meet my needs and getting really bitter that they weren't. And I had to recognize, oh, I'm not telling them that I need a break or I'm not telling them that this is a lot for me or asking for help in the kitchen. I'm just doing it because I want to serve them, but I a kind of, it's a backhanded desire to serve them so that they will then serve my needs. So yeah, this was helpful for me. So I just shared what type I am. Have you shared what your type is? I haven't, but it's the next one you're going to share. Ah! <laughs> okay. The three, the performer who I am married to a three and I wing to the three. So I get this one a little bit. So are yes. you a full on three? I'm a full on three. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, good news, Sarah Jane. You were built to thrive in these times. You are adaptable. You're helpful in times of crisis. You shine this moment. I've seen that. You've been super helpful and adaptable as I've changed up our schedule. Um, <laughs> thankful for your adaptability. If you're unskilled, I love that he says unskilled and not unhealthy but unskilled. That is a nice way to say it. Yeah, it's very kind. Uh, You lose self-awareness and can become unreasonably demanding and hyper-focused on productivity. I don't know if that's true for you. I've seen that a little bit in my husband. Um, We've talked about it. And they can be stressed when there's no measurables. I know when this started, I know some of the work my husband was doing, he was traveling um, with his new job, that kind of got put on hold. And I think he felt a little uncertain for a period of time because he didn't have a specified goal to focus in on. All those goals got kind of thrown in a blender. So that can be stressful for a three if they don't have something measurable and a goal to it's focus so on. It's so hard to have like no reason <laughs> for doing things during yeah. the day. Like not a, you feel purposeless. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. And so things that a three could do to help in this time is to practice patience with others who aren't adapting as well. 
like maybe if you're in a work setting and things are shifting and you're ready to go and move forward and they're like a little slower to shift focus that you need to be patient that not everybody is adapting as well and to put people before productivity. That's always, (laughs) always, 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 (laughs) always, always. And especially in this time and maybe ask others how they're feeling and really listen to the answers. So sometimes threes can be really personable, but not personal and not sharing their own um, emotions and feelings. And so I know it's helped my husband to kind of go through the processing group that we're done through church and be able to identify feelings and share them. That's really helped him and recognize that in sharing those, it really does connect you to people's hearts more. Um, You could be fun and fun loving, but when you share your feelings, it connects your soul a little bit to someone else's. Well, in the threes, uh, they're a part of that shame triad, but we don't want people to know that we're not doing well. Yeah. So it, it takes a lot of digging to get to the place where we're like, I am feeling shame about this and saying it out loud. It's hard. Yeah, that is really hard. Okay. So here's my number, the individualist or the romantic. I mean, there's every one of these types has a different title depending on what book or person is talking, but this is what Ian calls the foreign individualist. He said, they see the tunnel at the end of the light. Which is what people might be like, what does that mean? What does oh, that mean? <laughs> we'll find the dark place. Don't worry. Uh, I got we'll you. find the dark place. And so he said in these season, this season of a lot of grief and a lot of hard feeling, a four can thrive because they're comfortable there. And so they can teach people how to whistle in the dark. They might say, we can do this. I know how to navigate the dark. So I know for me, like I could sense that grief was heavy and no one was naming it for a long time. Uh, But for me also, I struggle because nothing lives up to my ideals. I imagine this ideal of us all just loving being together and just singing songs of praise and, and it's never going to live up to that. Um, But I'm also the most empathetic number. So I'm going to feel what you're feeling with you and I'm going to be present. He said the trick for a four though, is to be present without trying to fix them. So just lean into that. And Use a gratitude journal as a spiritual practice in this time, recognizing what is going well when we tend towards what's missing, recognize what's good. Um, Focus on doing as much as feeling. We can be doing repressed, meaning that we'll feel a lot and we'll kind of be flibberty gibbets all over the place, but not really get things done. And find the extraordinary in the ordinary. Sometimes we can think the ordinary is beneath us, like doing the dishes and the laundry. I'd rather do something really fun, like making a chalk stained glass pattern on the sidewalk. That's way more fun than doing the dishes. So I'll leave the dishes to my husband and I will do the really fun thing. He likes to get things done. Okay, Heather. No, he's amazing at it. It's fantastic. He does our laundry, he does our dishes, but I have to recognize that I can't put all of that on everyone, that it's okay. And I can find the extraordinary in the ordinary. Um, That's always been my issue with motherhood, even like the changing the diapers and just the monotony. So that's a four. I love that. That's great. And so our last triad is our last triad. The head slash fear triad. Yeah. Which is probably the group that's having a real hard time. I think they are. I think that they are. Um, Although friends of mine that are fives, if they are creating good boundaries on the information they consume Mm -hmm. are actually living their best lives because it's. They do enjoy um, the isolation and that's true. getting in their head and not having to do a lot of FaceTime with people. 
but they can be detached from feeling. They are cool and collective. They aren't reactive, but they probably need to stay off the news. They can get um, the concept that the more they know, the more in control they are. And they don't want to be caught off guard if someone asks them a question and they don't know the answer. So they want to be prepared. But Ian said to really encourage them to get back into their bodies. They tend to be in that thinking space so much that they forget they aren't a brain on a stick. They're a brain on a body. So whatever it is to move, whether it's a walk, he suggested yoga, but whatever it is that reminds them of that fact, they um, need to think about more tactile ways to express love with their people and be less focused on facts, but on their own feelings and on other people. That was the five, the investigator. That was the five. Sorry, I didn't say. The investigator, the five. So the six, the loyalist, they are always labeled like the fearful ones. Yeah. But I've heard they're planners, and I like that. People who were probably prepared for the virus before all the rest of us were. Yeah, they have already considered what could go wrong, and so they're prepped for it. But this could be a really hard time for them. Um, because there's art, there's so much anxiety in the air and anxiety is kind of their go-to place anyway, but they are our trustworthy, dutiful, self-reliant friends. He suggested they need to get out of the situation room and reading all the news. Maybe in the morning, read one right of center news report and one left of center news report and then stop. <laughs> so that clear of a boundary line so that they don't get caught up in all the news. Which probably means cutting back on social media as well because the news is just a flurry on there. Yeah, it's everywhere. He also recommended the spiritual practice of centering prayer to kind of Mm. calm the mind. He quoted this guy, Houston Smith, who's the most important expert on world religions. And someone asked him before he died, after 70 years of studying world religions, what conclusion have you come to? And his answer was, we're in good hands. So if you can practice that centering prayer where you remind yourself of who God is and that you're in good hands, that could help you go throughout your day um, with more peace. Okay, the seven, the enthusiast. We're doing it. We're doing it. We're going to get through them all. So the last one. The party people. The party people. I feel like in general, everyone wants to be a seven most of the time. But right now, I don't know that people want to be a seven. They're having to have uh, social distance parties, which are not nearly as fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he pointed out that they're called the enthusiasts. And he said enthusiasm or enthusiast combines the words in and theos, which means full of God that they are just that they represent the fullness of God and their joy. Um, but they don't like to be told what to do and they do not like to be stuck at home. And if they have no escape plan or options, they become anxious and they start feeling psychologically claustrophobic, mm. which that's, whew, that's a lot. But he said something that they would benefit from is also centering prayer. He said, it's the hardest for a seven to create a meditation practice Because they tend to believe that what is in this moment is not as great as in the next moment. So he said, just start with two minutes. Two minutes, maybe use an app. Um, He recommended the Headspace app. I don't know anything about that one. I don't know if it's... Yeah, I've used it. It's great. Or Calm. Calm is another great app that has meditation. So start with two minutes and then maybe build up to 25 minutes every morning for two weeks and see how it shifts your appreciation and perception um, to stay present. 
and to just accept what's going on. I think the sevens kind of tend toward, they like the positive emotions, like the, they don't love being in the grief space or the pain space. And so he said, uh, there's this concept these monks have of feeling not at home, that that's suffering. What we're experiencing right now does not feel like home, right? And right. the sevens have to accept that we're always going to have that at some point. Suffering is inevitable in the road less traveled. There's a quote that says, life is difficult. Once we know it's difficult, once we accept life is difficult, then the fact that it is difficult no longer matters. He said sevens tend to be self-referencing. So they often will pay attention to their own needs over the needs of others. So a tip for the sevens is maybe intentionally pay attention to the needs of other people. It's not just about what you want to do. I think as moms, <laughs> we're forced to do that. So a seven that's a mom has already been forced to not think about um, her needs, but it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I have. That's what I have. Those are the nine types. That's great information, especially knowing that each of our types can also go to the other numbers during stress, like the threes go to nines. So it's helpful to know Mm -hmm. what helps nines just as much as it does for threes for me. So, um, and your spouse, your friends, your parents, they're all somewhere on this Enneagram journey. Um, So it's helpful to know how to respond to them because I think it's really about like I said earlier, it's really about understanding how they're seeing the world right now, not just how we see the world, but how others are seeing the world so that we can love them and all move towards the middle, be more like Jesus. And we didn't mention kids. I think um, right now we're all dealing with our own stress and in schooling our kids at home, the tantrums, the refusals, we have to recognize that might be their own coping mechanism of dealing with the stress, their worlds were turned upside down too. It's their way to control things. Yeah. They're looking for a control point and that's how they're doing it, um, which can be super frustrating for us, but we have to be those empathetic <laughs> oh, voices Heather, in their life. I'm right? about to go do school right now with my kids. I put it off this morning and now oh, I've got to no. go do that. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. Well, we're finished. We don't have to do anything until Tuesday. <laughs> we're done. But I've had, uh, I have so many different versions. I have a couple of threes and maybe a nine and definitely uh, a five for a region. So they're all responding a little bit differently to this and just helps to give them grace and support too. So absolutely. We can do it. We We can can do do it. it. Okay. Well, thanks y'all for listening. Go check out Ian Cron's stuff and the show notes. And thank you, Sarah Jane. Yes. Thank you, Heather. All right. You too. Okay. How are we doing? I'm guessing there's going to be a mixed bag reaction, just like how Enneagram tells us there's a mixed bag reaction to all things. I'm guessing some of you didn't like what I said about your type, or you're wondering if Enneagram is even a good thing, or whatever the case may be. I get it. We are all so different. Our reactions are going to be so different. There is not one type that is better than the other, although we usually don't like ours. We don't like our type. I will say, if you heard me talk about a number and you thought you uh, you identified with that number, and you're like, but that doesn't really ad- adequately describe how I've been responding. Well, maybe consider, do some research on how that number 
moves in times of stress? What number does it go to? Because every number moves around the circle going across. You might see the circle with the numbers on the outside and then all these arrows crossing it, which makes it look like a pentagram kind of thing. It's not. Those arrows are showing how one number moves to another number in times of stress and in times of health. And so maybe like for me, as I mentioned, a four goes to a two in times of stress. Maybe you're a seven and you're going to a one. I think they're connected. I don't have every single one memorized, but do some research on that and then that might help you figure out why you're responding the way that you are. All right, I'm gonna pray for us. Lord, I thank you that you are so creative, that there is no single person who is like another person, but I thank you that you do give us tools to help us to guide us, to grow closer in intimacy with you, that we are all uniquely wired to connect with you, God, and that we can trust you, that we can trust your heart, that we can be centered in the truth of who you are, that we can be stretched to, um, in these times of stress, trust you more in whatever way that is for our unique situation. I know so many listeners are going through really hard things and One, just sharing a a learned dependence on you that she never has. I praise you, God, that you are never failing when everything seems to fail around us and is uncertain that we can trust that you are an unfailing God and that you are faithful. I pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you and that you would help us uh, when each day we don't know what the next day brings. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, y'all, for listening to this special episode. I'm going to mention again because they're so fantastic. I was able to share the content of this episode with you because Compassion International hosted the masterclass that I was able to attend. So I want to tell you about Compassion International. They are so kind to allow me to tell you about them. They didn't ask me to do this but they have set up a page on their site just for Don't Mom Alone listeners. So if you go to compassion.com forward slash Don't Mom Alone, you will see my face there. And then you'll see faces of kids that you could help change the game for them today. And I can vouch for how they run their organization. We have been sponsoring through Compassion for over 20 years and have always been impressed with how they handle any situation. If you are curious, I can answer your questions. Just send them to me. But today you could start a relationship with a child and you could help partner with Compassion to bring about, help that child walk into the purposes that God has planned in advance for them and that you can help change communities. If you want to go check it out, go to Compassion.com forward slash don't mom alone. If you're not by computer, text the word Heather to 833-933 and they'll send you a link to a child you can sponsor today. So text the word Heather to 833-933. All right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in to this bonus episode. I'll meet you back here on Monday. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. 
with faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again. Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight.